Hi, I'm Alice Zhao. I'm Curtis Herbert. And I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Firely. And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about surviving the app store, staying afloat, and sometimes we're just chased around by rules and regulations. <laughs> More specifically, in the next month or so, Apple plans to impose a new policy that they had announced where they're banning external analytics software inside kids apps. And which between the three of us really only affects me. <laughs> yeah, my app is rated for 17 plus. So yeah. <laughs> oh, darn it. Darn it. Overall, though, reading about this made me think about data and da privacy in general. So I was hoping to get your opinions about that in this episode. What are you talking about? It's not like I have a location tracking app or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't collect data. <laughs> Come on. Not at all. So over the years, uh, what has your approach been to data? What kind of data are you collecting, if you're collecting data? My approach has been to avoid it at all costs. Oh, good job. <laughs> Do anything I can to not collect data, 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 which is harder than it sounds because as a general rule, that makes things like analytics and resolving bugs and stuff more tricky. It can, like it can make it a lot more tricky. So like there are obviously things that I've had to collect in order to make that work. But as a general rule, I try to avoid anything that could be traced back to the person that is like whose information is being sent to me. So typically I try to avoid things like file names coming through to me, which is in GifRapt is a big deal. Like I don't need a file name to be able to tell what an like whether an image is unique within the person's library. I have I have identifiers for that that are not file names, and they are randomly selected by the OS. Like they have no no information in them at all. But my general approach has been, where possible, not collect it. So I feel like you kind of backed off there on the end. You started by saying, <laughs> I go at all costs not to collect data. And now we're like, we're not possible. And I think I fall more along where you ended that uh, that part of this conversation <laughs> than where you began that part of the conversation. Look, I think that I probably find myself somewhere between the two because I'm not just collecting data for the sake of collecting mm -hmm. data. And I'm certainly not, I guess I'm not avoiding it at all costs, but I am avoiding collecting data without a good reason that, that i don't need yeah and i don't have so i don't have things like email addresses because everything that the give does is either on your device or through a third party service so they have data stuff that they have to do with and there's a little bit of stuff that i have to do in order to make that jive my privacy policy obviously states that i connect to like dropbox and stuff I don't collect any information if at all possible. And the information that I do collect, I try to minimize the ways in which it could be tracked. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's not, but it's between yeah. the two of like all costs and where, where possible. I think I track that. <laughs> well, I'm just so. making sure that it's clear because <laughs> yeah, no, that's it obviously. I think I'm probably leaning more towards your former self, not your past past self. So I think I take a pretty practical approach to this. Um, so I'm not a don't collect data at any cost kind of guy. 
I'm definitely a only collect data if there is actually a good reason to do it. I generally don't bend over absolutely backwards to implement a fully private solution if there's an acceptably private solution that's within reach. So for example, I could have built all of Slopes' sync engine on iCloud. You know, that's a perfectly valid strategy or CloudKit for many apps. But I know I'm going to be working on multiple platforms. And that's a thing. I need to live outside the Apple ecosystem. So I could have done it. I could have made the decision for my users that, you know, all sync within Apple devices. But if you move over to Android, I'm going to have to help you migrate your data over to Google World, for example. But instead, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take on some of this private data myself and write a sync engine. So that is, that's kind of an example where like you could have gone the at all costs method, made one decision versus another. So I think I kind of fall more in the moderate, definitely nowhere near the side of like slurp all the data I can get. That's, that's just gluttonous and not healthy, but definitely somewhere in the middle of like, I need to run a business. But I need to run an ethical business, and I'm assuming ethics will come up in this conversation at some point. (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) So before I worked on Gus on the Go, I worked at a marketing company. Not really a marketing company, but basically they captured leads and they sold them. And so a lot of my practical marketing know-how came from that, where I'm like, I'm just going to figure out how to capture leads and use that to my advantage. Slip all the data. Not all. Just, I only needed emails, like... <laughs> right right now, I just need a drink where I can just slurp and get that <laughs> sort of sound. Because that's the, that's the sound effect that I hear going with this with this conversation is just I that know. in the background, just continually. I know. Like, I mean, yeah. th- and this is before I feel like ethics or data ethics really became a talking point. Or maybe I just wasn't aware of it. But that's how I thought of marketing was like, oh, I just capture leads and capture emails and then I send them with a lot of material and hopefully they will buy Gus on the Go. So, that, so that's how I approached it early on. And then in the app, we at some point we put in analytics and at first, like, I was just so interested because I'm like, oh, we've got data now and we can optimize the heck out of Gus on the Go and figure out what is the most popular of all our games and what is the most useful. I can't say we were the most successful at figuring out how to use analytics, but we definitely did use it for quite a long time. But I will say that this most recent policy doesn't make us sweat because a couple of years ago we pulled every all of that out for so once, we're like oh we're fine for once you're this ahead of the not, apple rule. this is not another apocalyptic experience yeah <laughs> it was gone already because we were really lazy and never figured it out i mean this rule was in uh response to the news that came out about the apps tracking like kids data for like parental stuff yeah they were essentially vpns that were masking i mean they were doing the job of but also slurping data masking as we're going to protect uh so you can't access certain sites or stuff like that yeah yeah it's a good rule it's interesting to see more and more of these rules come out because like you said alice the the conversation of data and ethics around what we're doing those conversations haven't been in the forefront until as of late they've always been there and I think that smart people were asking these kind of questions, but I don't think they were ever part of the public debate because in a lot of ways, at least speaking within America, 
consumers are just generally okay with the idea of giving up their data to get something. So, you know, you go to the grocery store and you apply for a grocery card and that means you've given them your phone number, your address, everything. And now all of a sudden you get a bunch of mail, you know, Facebook, for example, everyone would give up all their privacy just to be a part of that ecosystem. And I don't think it's really until we've had a bunch of violations of the implicit trust that we just kind of gave that this has really become mm-hmm. part of a conversation and we've started to see rules being enforced. Um, and I, yeah, there are a lot of questions here, but this it's just interesting to see more and more of these rules like this one for the child's app. You know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, there are other already existing rules for not collecting data on anyone under 13. So it's in kind of a natural fit that you could see, okay, well, we shouldn't be running analytics and we shouldn't. Another part of Apple's rule was you couldn't have ads that were personalized for those kids, like, again, targeting children. So it it makes sense that this would kind of be a natural next step. It's kind of interesting to see what rules are coming. Yeah, I mean, in general, I am all for privacy especially protecting kids. So I'm not like, again, you know, because I pulled out our analytics a long while ago, I'm not sweating over this one. It does make other developers nervous in the same arena because they relied on ads. That was their business model and that's not ours. Yeah. But yeah, I'm all for more privacy. I think we just have to figure out how to do it well. You you say rely on ads and I'm just imagining Saturday morning cartoons in the 90s for me where that was basically just getting a child to sit down for three hours and watch advertisements for Toys R Us and then go bug their parents to go buy the latest toy. Like I'm thinking like who would put ads in their app? Like why would you do that for a child's app? And then I'm thinking Saturday morning cartoons were basically that. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's the same just... It it feels different because it's on your device in yeah. your face. Well, also the the like the difference between the Saturday morning cartoons and personalized ads in an app is well the personalization yeah. like they're tracking like if they're tracking the kid and know like exactly the sort of things that they're going to want. It's like imagine those Saturday morning cartoons, except all of the advertisements were exactly the things that you wanted, like that you that they knew that you wanted yeah like your tv was watching you play with a little voltron thing in front of the tv and then the next thing you know all of a sudden you're getting ads and then showing you another voltron Um, which i'm always a fan of more ads for voltron but you know still creepy (laughs) (laughs) so kind of getting back to what you're saying earlier though about kind of how things have changed for you a bit you know i've definitely had to change a little bit because slopes started as offline only there were no accounts there was no nothing And I've kind of had to wade into the waters of having an online service and having email addresses. And early on, my biggest GDPR worry would have been having a newsletter. Like that's that was the worst of it. But now all of a sudden I'm doing location data and all this kind of other stuff. So it's something that's been interesting. Again, I hate to use that word again, Uh, but also a challenge just that like as the service grows and I try and offer more. I'm having to find where I really stand on some of these privacy issues. And I'm definitely very happy that I'm not one of those marketers that you had to work with. That's just like slurp all the data. But I am having to be somewhat practical of like, okay, I'm running a digital business. And it's been a challenge. Definitely. I don't know. I I guess, Jelly, you're pretty lucky that you just don't slurp any data. So there's there's minimal challenge for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think where I have got challenge is in third parties slurping data 
because yeah. that is a big problem. And third-party frameworks that do things like analytics or ads and stuff like that, like that, they can do nasty, nasty stuff. And that, like, and a lot of the time, they they will do it because they're horrifying, terrible companies that like to slope all the data and having that having those um, frameworks in your app you don't know you don't know what they're doing i mean recently you pulled out of slopes you pulled you pulled out the facebook thing because you didn't know you don't know what they're doing with uh in the background and it's not worth the risk yeah and uh, it wasn't worth where my ethics lie with privacy like that's that was a line too far like it just okay i can't advertise on instagram i'll live and that's been a challenge on my end because Gifwrapped is partially supported mm. by ads and like there are no ethical ad companies that I am aware of that provide ads for apps. My best bet going down that path would be to do my own ads and that's extreme. So I'm in this situation where like do I rip out the ads and therefore lose that monetary stuff or do I leave them in there and I just have to get to a point where I'm okay with that. And the answer at this time has been well, I will do everything in my power to uh, turn off anything, literally anything that I can find that feels weird and gross. The ad service that I use, their framework that you have to embed in your app to, in order to use their service, it has a bunch of booleans uh, that allow you to turn off certain features. And they're all on by default, aren't they? <laughs> and they're all on by, by default. So I have gone through and turned them off anywhere possible. Or in the case where they're turned off because, like, that's the the, the off situation is the uh, is the version that mm. is uh, weird and gross. Uh, I've turned them on. An example of that is the GDPR stuff because advertising right. is subject to GDPR, and I had the option of like I could just the def- the the default is that the GDPR stuff only applies if the app is used within Europe. But I, there is a there is a toggle that's just like just force it anyway, just do it for everybody. And so I've turned that on, right? Because that feels less gross to me to make sure that everybody gets the option to opt out of advertising. And that that's like I I do what I can, but there is always this balancing act. And my challenge and over the over the gift wrap's life has been finding the balance of. I'm making sure that I'm protecting my users versus uh, versus like I'm not making any money, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm definitely erring on the side of I'm not making much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, in all fairness, I did misspeak earlier when I said you probably don't have many challenges because, in all honesty, you're probably dealing with what are the potential slimiest areas to have to worry about for this kind of stuff because advertising is. all about collecting data and all about targeting ads. And those are the ones that can really, I think, push some boundaries here. And they're what we're seeing a lot of blowback on. Yeah. And I mean, it it doesn't, it's not just ads as like as well. In GifWrapped, I deal with Dropbox. Um, Like your library can sync with Dropbox. And GifWrapped has a very specific folder that you use for GIFs. And it's everything that gets saved gets goes in there. GIFRAP can see anything within that folder and it, and it will sync the light. Like it will be able to read from Dropbox what's in that folder. But I have the option. I had the option when I first set up GIFRAP and a lot of people have asked for this. Just pull in the entire Dropbox folder. Why not? Because <laughs> what could go wrong with that? And like, even though I am not necessarily like I'm doing my best to not 
be weird and gross about it. That provides an opportunity that I don't like, that I don't want to be anywhere near. And it's not that I would be tempted to look at people's Dropbox folders. It's more that like it's easier for me to not have that option on the table at all than to like to have that option there and to like to potentially allow uh, allow, allow for that sort of stuff to be to be misused i guess yeah because god knows like the facebook sdk has some class detector in it that if it notices dropbox it'll start trying to poke at all the folders and files and index everything i mean oh i hope they don't <laughs> but who knows i mean i don't have i don't have facebook in my app my app because screw facebook but uh yeah. but yeah your, your point stands that's that's the problem we are giving them implicit trust and in a lot of cases these are closed source libraries and i'm not necessarily one who says like oh everything i embed in my app has to be open source i use mapbox it's a closed source binary but it is something that can be hard to swallow that knowledge that that thing that you're embedding you don't actually know what's going on in there and you are taking it on trust mm. yeah that that company is doing the right thing uh, when it comes to privacy. Exactly. And will continue to do so. What they seem to be doing now may be very different from like years from now. Yeah, I mean, look at Dropbox. They pivoted. Yep. So do you feel like you've lost anything by not utilizing these services? I mean, I haven't lost sleep, so <laughs> I'll take that trade off. <laughs> so that's a plus. But no, honestly... I am sure I've left money on the table. I've had companies reach out looking f to partner with me to get access to some data and stuff like that. And like, I've always turned them down. I'm sure I turned down some good money in some cases. And I'm okay with that. Like, I guess that comes from a place of privilege that Slopes is doing okay. But at the same time, even when Slopes wasn't making that much money, I was still getting approached by some of those things. And I still had those options on the table. And I still wouldn't take them because that's not the kind of business I want to run. So, yeah, I've certainly missed out on money. But if that's what it would take to make a living, uh, I would try and find a different living. That's just not what I want to do. I think the thing that maybe I've lost out on is the ability to resolve bugs and crashes and stuff like that more expediently. And it's not that I don't collect crash data. I definitely collect data about crashes. I definitely collect some analytics. I have some understanding of what users are doing within my app. Beyond what Apple just gives us. Right, exactly. Because Apple's service, while it is very private and very good on those on that front, is terrible for actually resolving bugs. <laughs> oh yeah, the crash organizer <laughs> is... I'm lucky sometimes. I'll see like a thousand of the same crash. Okay, not that many. A hundred of the same crash in Crashlytics. And then in Xcode, I'll see like one entry for it. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I got that one crash report out of a hundred. Yeah. God knows what else is going on here. <laughs> so I use Crashlytics and I've been trying out Sentry for a little while, uh, which is something that feels a little bit safer in that regard. And there, there is definitely a balance to be struck. And I still think Crashlytics is where it's at sort of for me at this time. And that information is really, I feel like I need it to be able to resolve a lot of the crashes that I get because not everybody tells me when there's like when there's issues. So I could just be like, you know, la -di -da -di -da, I don't know what's going on. There are definitely crash libraries that go sort of beyond where even Crashlytics does and collect like video. You can like that there are ones that c capture video of what the user is doing. I think there is a balance to be struck and I think that there is reasons why you shouldn't go down that path of just capturing all of the information and sloping up all that data. Yeah. 
that that is just not a reason to collect that information, even in the name of resolving bugs. I think that that stuff should be avoided. And while I feel like I have lost out and I feel like it would be a lot easier to resolve those problems, sometimes it's just really easy for me to be able to see a device having a problem and I can go, oh, wait, that's what that is. Like, that makes so much more sense now than trying to decipher crash logs and just regular logs, activity logs, that's what they're called, in order to resolve a bug. But there's no, there's no reason to go down the path of, like, calling the user's screen. What the heck, man? Yeah. What the heck? That sounds super creepy. Yeah. Although super helpful and creepy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, when we first released on Android, that analytics report, our crash report was super useful because I'm like, I'm not going to have a thousand Android devices to understand, you know, all the edge cases since I'm mm. most all iPhone. So we did use that. but we And again, we also have since pulled that out as well. But yeah, yeah agreed. I wouldn't want to record record anything that is definitely a bridge too far yeah a little bit a little bit (laughs) i don't know that's where i wish apple's been giving some interesting privacy tools like the whole differential privacy and a lot of the stuff they're doing and i agree with a lot of like they're pushing a lot of stuff on device like i said slope started offline first i still consider it offline first because you're in the alps you probably don't have cell phone reception so i need to be able to do a lot of my processing locally so I'm very offline in my way of thinking, which is kind of gives me a natural shield to like slurping data because I need to be able to work without that data online. But I do wish Apple would step up a little bit more and make some of the things, these pain points that we're talking about as developers, like crash reporting. Yeah. I feel like what they get with the Xcode crash report tool probably works at Apple scale with their millions upon millions of customers they're getting plenty of crash logs anytime something goes wrong. But for us, when something goes wrong, we don't have a lot of the extra data they have too with their crash reports. Like, you know, what iPhone was, what was the battery? Like all all this kind of stuff that they have with their analytics, we don't also get access to. So we're left having to rely on these third-party services for crashes and then also for analytics. Like, I'm sure Apple is well aware of how many people with their differential privacy are opting into this or not opting into this or use this feature or don't use that feature. And exposing that to us would be wonderful. Like, give us an Apple analytics privacy framework, basically, that allows us to do this stuff while respecting user privacy, but still understand what's going on in our app. Because really, the problem that we see here is that companies that are interested in slurping data themselves are the ones that generally buy these tools. So you look at Crashlytics, that was bought by Twitter. And then that was bought by Google. You look at Parse, that was bought by Facebook as a way to get their SDK and information on everyone that was included, it, that was including Parse in their app. So the incentive isn't there to make these frameworks and keep them in the hands of people that want to see privacy as something that's championed, at least speaking pure capitalistically. Yeah. You know, those SDKs are more valuable to someone like Google because they can do something with that data versus if I created a rival to Crashlytics tomorrow, you know, maybe I can make a decent business out of it, but they're going to offer me a lot of money for that thing. And that's because it's valuable to them more so than to me. So I'd really like to see Apple kind of step up in this place and create more online services that we can do kind of like they did with CloudKit. 
you know, things that we can do privately and not have to rely on something like Parse or Crashlytics or something like that. Yeah, no, I'm a, I agree with that. But that said, they can't even get bug reporting right. So <laughs> let's not go down that road. Today. Yeah, let's not let's not trigger Jelly tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Jelly is going to come out. <laughs> So then outside of getting these crash reports, like how do you think we can be better indie developers with less data? Like what do you think we could be doing to get similar types of information without being as creepy and slurpy? I would suggest learning more about it and spending more time like learning about the, the tools and techniques that you can use to avoid collecting data. As a starting point, Obviously, Apple are very focused on this, and especially especially now. They had a session at WWDC this year, uh, session 706, I want to say. I closed the app that I was using to look at this. 708, designing for privacy. 708. Uh, so, like you know, they, they provide they they do provide resources uh, that you can use to like to sort of learn about this stuff and. Yeah, I, I I would suggest like taking some of that information and I want to say dwelling on it because it's not just about taking the information and then doing exactly what they say and that's it. Like that's all you have to do. Sometimes it's about spending some time like with w- with that information and learning how to take that information and apply it to your own product and to your own actions and stuff like that because it's not a thing that you can just do. Right, like you can't just ditch all the an- your analytics frameworks and ditch your ads and ditch this and ditch that from your app, and then you'll be good because you won't be because you've got to figure out how to make that work. And so it's about learning about it and figuring out how you can approach that, like with your app and with your business, and how to make it so that your business is sort of focused on that as a part of your core philosophy. I these words, man, so deep. But your your so core deep. focus. No, I think, so you're talking about philosophy. (laughs) I think that what I would focus on to like be better is actually figuring out what your philosophy is. So I feel like this is a conversation that we're starting to have, but I feel like a lot of people aren't asking the hard questions of themselves and their business necessarily yet. And you have to figure out where you lie with that. Yeah. And I think it's especially hard because... You know, if we go back to Alice's marketing agency, I'm not proud, guys, <laughs> that voice that they have that they project into our industry is very loud. It's very slurp all the data. There's nothing wrong with it. Just do it. Everybody does it. It's fine. Yeah. And it's interesting to think like a lot of what we have for digital advertising and everything nowadays is all based on tracking. And you'll see arguments right now within the podcast space. Now that the big companies are getting into podcasting, you're starting to see more and more of them be like, oh, we have these analytics and we can do all these things. And you have a bunch of people who have podcasted forever. Those that sell ads, not us, because we're poor podcasters. They'll be like, we were fine selling ads before we had all this analytic data. We were making plenty of money off of our show. We didn't need these analytics. And a lot of what we're doing online is the same thing. These industries want to keep pushing all these analytics on us. And as we've gone digital, it's easier and easier and easier. So we're pushing that line further and further where in the grocery store, you couldn't get that much analytics on the person. You could build up some kind of profile, but that was a little bit harder. But now with digital, it's so easy to do all this stuff. So we're having to ask these questions of ourselves. And I think that 
a lot of us haven't been in the position where we've had to really think that through yet and figure out where we come down on it. You know, how practical Mm -hmm. are you willing to be on compromising? You know, are you willing to do a crash service or not? And I think you really have to get a feel for where you strongly feel about that, not just a quick gut reaction to it. And I think that's where we're at right now is kind of an industry for me as like, what I think is most important for people to start doing so we can be better developers is really start to question like, what we're doing? Is it actually like the norm that we want? Like, is this the direction we want to be going? Where is this going type of thing? And figure out where you fall on that. And then I think you can take a look at your business and start to do things like you're saying, Jelly, where it's like, look at how Apple might be doing things or another company might be doing things and see how you could do them yourself or how that would affect your business. But I think you really got to figure out your own feels first. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, but I think to sort of to build on that, like a lot of the a lot of the arguments that you can you see from companies that were hit by like that were hit by rules just like the one that Apple introduced. It's just like, well, we need this information in order to provide the service. It's just, that's just how it is. It's just, we need this information. So give it to us. And I think that part of that like approach of sitting down and figuring out like where you stand on it and figuring out like what you care about in the realm of privacy is not just like, what do I care about? And therefore like, you know, I need this information. So I just have to collect it. That's too bad. A lot of, the ways that you have to design for privacy and a lot of the ways that you have to approach creating apps that are that are private first it, it comes down to making very clear decisions about being private and then in some cases bending over backwards in order to make that work because being private is going to be detrimental to your business in some ways well and let's let's be fair in some cases it's going to mean your business doesn't exist and that should be okay. Like, yeah. okay, at some point in human history, I think this was a Mel Brooks joke, but at some point in somebody in human history, somebody had fire and said, I want to set that thing 300 feet over there on fire and the flamethrower was born. And not everything in this world has to exist. So some of these apps that are doing, you know, location tracking all the time and like, oh, well, that's how we make money with advertisements. Maybe that doesn't have to exist. Just because it currently exists doesn't mean it should exist. And that's what I'm saying by questioning the norms. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think you have to ask, like, why are we collecting data? Right. And if you're saying it's to make it a better product or service, this is where I get to finally put my product manager hat on, right? <laughs> and my literal job is to be the voice of the customer. And the more time I'm spending with the customer and understanding what they need, that's how we deliver a better product versus, because I feel like the analytics, it's passive, right? I, I can understand where people are tapping and on what and how much time they spend on that. But if I was trying to stick to the actual philosophy of understanding my customer, then I would spend time with them. I would look at, I would watch how they are not as, not so creepy, (laughs) watch how they are using it and understanding what they're trying to accomplish. That's how I would end up making a better product. Yeah. Because at that point they are opting in to having you standing next to them, looking over your, their shoulder as they do something (laughs) like they're opting into the creepiness. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's something we've lost along the way, especially when it comes to analytics, is that we think A-B testing is God. And, you know, there's room for A-B testing. It's good. Sure. But sometimes 
you might pick a KPI and you're optimizing for that. And that was actually not making your product better. Like it might get you more purchases or whatever, but then you might end up somewhere like Candy Crush or any of those other games that were basically just feeding gambling addictions. Like I'm sure AB testing got them the, the most optimal buys there, but then is that what you want? Sure. Yeah. So you have to be careful with those analytics because they, they'll tell you something, but you don't necessarily know if your product is better as a result. It just might be more efficient. Well, it can be it, like these things come out of the best intentions and those good intentions don't count for much when it comes to like maintaining ethics in a uh in 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 this world here we go (laughs) i'm getting deep now uh it's like it it doesn't count for much it can start out being like this amazing thing that you just want to do the do the right thing and it can take you down a path if you just follow that path to something that is terrible and not good that you feel like that suddenly you wake up and you just like you don't know how you got there well the answer is you just started following following a path you started following a kpi that you thought was like legitimate and next thing you know you're slurping data and recording people's screens and doing all sorts of crazy things in like in order to achieve that kpi and it's not fair to say that like you should never collect anything because obviously like in some cases like there there like you need information to run a business i need location data to be able to give that back to the users like <laughs> yeah like you you have to collect that stuff and when it comes down to it for, for starters you've got to you've got to understand that that is what you're doing you've got to collect you've got to collect data so like be aware of the fact that you're collecting people's locations you're collecting people's emails you're collecting stuff that could be tracked back to the user and do things in order to uh like in order to negate any sort of problems that could arise from having collected that data and that stuff doesn't come for free you've got to spend time on it and you've got to do things so that in following that path you're not just blindly doing so and blindly collecting data and finding yourself in a position that like you that where that could be bad you've got to make steps and you've got to take you've got to do the work and you've got to do preparation and planning and uh and do extra code often in order to make sure that the when you're collecting that data that you're also doing it in a way that is private yeah now now you're getting me all amped up for a uh ethics and software uh episode i've been wanting to do at some point <laughs> we'll get deep next time Next time on Independence. <laughs> One of these people will die. What? How'd it get there? One of these people will opt out of life. <laughs> <laughs> All of us. <laughs> well, I think this about wraps up our talk about data. Data. A little bit about ethics, analytics, and all that's data, data. Data. <laughs> I believe it's data for you and data for me, but data. sure. It is data for me, yeah. <laughs> But if you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at hello at independence.fm or independence.fm. Hey, that's private data. Don't give that out. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding. Don't don't email us at hello at independence.fm. Does that work? Is that how data privacy works? We opt out. Yes. We opt out of anything. We <laughs> do not have yes. our consent. <laughs> and if you would like to get in touch with us or not get in touch with us on Twitter. You have my consent. Twitter is okay. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> I'm at eat a duck I must. I am parrots, the plural of the bird. And I am jelly bean soup. Thank you all for listening to our talk about data, data, data. 
<laughs> we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.